0: Lord, we just thank you for this time that we've had, the fellowship today for, for the, the luncheon and the opportunity, for, Lord, that you've just given us to break the heat with the, the thunder and lightning and the, and the breeze. And we just thank you for that. And we ask you to bless this study as we covered in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 57. Okay.
1: Now you're right
0: about that. To the chief musician, Al Taskai, Mittam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in you. Yea, in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities are overpassed. I will cry unto the Lord most high, unto God that performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven, he shall save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God has sent forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongues a sharp sword. Be you exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst of whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and Give praise. Awake up my glory. Awake. Psalm tree and hog. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto the, unto you among the nations. For your mercy is great unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be you exalted, O Lord, above the heavens. Let your glory be above the earth. That
1: sounds sort of like Joke.
0: Well, in this case, he's he's just been attacked, you know, this is what it says, it came right after the, when Saul was seeking him in the caves, yeah. if you remember, David was in the same cave as Saul, and could have very easily been caught, and if he had been caught, probably would have been killed, because caves are not the easiest thing to fight in, and you were stuck there, you had to come out, and once you came out of the cave, there was only usually one way out of the cave, and...
2: And you know there were soldiers out there guarding that cave? And
0: spears and swords and whatever else, you know, so... All right, it says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in you. Yea, in the shadow of your wings will I take my refuge until these calamities are overpassed. David's being chased around all over Israel, being chased all over the desert. And he says, Be merciful unto me. And what is mercy? It's the definition of mercy that we've covered before.
3: Mercy is... <laughs> Not getting what we deserve. Oh.
0: Okay, so David's saying, "Be merciful, don't give me what I deserve, and be merciful unto me, for my soul trusts in you." David trusted in God, and he wanted God's mercy. God, un- David understood grace in a better way than most of the Old Testament characters did. He he understood God's grace, he understood God's mercy, he understood God's love for him. And remember, in Psalm 51, after he after he'd committed m- adultery and murder. He says, you know, take not your Holy Spirit from me, you know. uh, And he says, renew unto me the joy of my salvation and a right spirit. That should be our prayer all the time. God, have mercy on me and renew the joy of my salvation. How do
2: you spell mercy? Come on, what does it say? M-E-R-C-E,
0: why? That's all right. I wonder how to spell
2: it and that
0: every now and then. So... But David is saying, I want your mercy, God. And he's running from Saul. He's been promised that he's gonna be king. He's been anointed to be king. And he's being chased all over the kingdom by the current king to kill him. And and his best friend is the king's son, the Prince John. (laughs) Prince Jonathan, you know, is his best friend. And Jonathan so many times had gone in and, and delivered David, you know, saying, you know, my father's out to kill you. Go run. You know, hide. And if you remember, one time Jonathan told David, "You're going to be missed." And my fa- if my father talks about you, I'll let you know. And and King Saul says, "Where is David?" And he says, "Well, he he begged permission to go w- sacrifice at his home." And Saul, through the Spirit, his son, <laughs> he got so angry. You know, and calling him a, you know all kinds of names, saying, "Don't you care that he's going to take the kingdom from you?" Uh, you know, Saul was so jealous of David. I don't think Jonathan cared. Well, Jonathan was a, Jonathan wanted to see what God wanted. He wanted to. He, he loved David enough to say, "If David's exalted, then he'll treat me good, and and I'll be okay." David probably, uh, Jonathan probably would have been happy just to be a soldier, you know, an officer in the army, and just supporting David as his friend.
3: But, I think that's what a friend is. I just, mm-hmm. See, mine says be graceful,
2: not mercy. That's why. We have all kinds of examples in the Bible to look And I believe they are two examples that are just so beautiful. That they're friends that love one another so. Good.
0: And Jonathan loved David enough that he just wanted to see David be happy and exalted, and it didn't matter to him. And this is where we're supposed to be when Paul tells us. Be content with much or in, in in little. Be learn to be content. If I'm not content with what I've got, I'm going to be jealous of what others have, and that's not a good place to be. Or as we wrote in the in the bulletin this morning, you know, if my eyes are focused on this world and this is my the extent of my world, I am going to be a very jealous person and and not feeling I'm not getting enough. If my eyes are on heaven and my reward is going to heaven, I can be content in this world. I can be happy for anybody what else What happens,
3: and, I'm sorry, what happens if it's the other way around? Like, I'm really having this problem now, a big, big problem. Ever since that thing has passed, it has, I don't have my eye on I, road. I, I'm, I'm so disappointed, and so I hate say hate. I hate what they are doing. Mm-hmm. And I need, to, do I, I need to get over that, but I can't. Because
0: I felt so sad. You turn it over to God and just let yeah. him let Him deliver it. But um, I'm just so sad that
3: they're doing this
0: to him. I mean, there's th- may be things that that's God's saying, take a stand, but I mean, sub- I don't know fully all the content. Yeah, but you know, that's why a lot of things now not irritate
3: me because of that. It's just, it hurt. I mean, I'm like, I just, I'm so sad. Because that happens,
2: you want to go in and take charge and control because you want what's best for him and you yeah. don't think he's getting
0: it. And that's a hard place to be in. A lot of it is prayer, and, and you know, when you, if you don't have the right to take over, then you really well, have to no, just not pray not for them.
3: take over. I thought there would be more people in the earth that would be for not having that.
0: Well, that and I
3: was surprised there people aren't standing up for God. <coughs> yeah. That's no. The people in the White House. Oh, okay. That
0: decision. Oh. No, it's that, we're getting we're okay. getting what we deserve. We're you know, this country's getting what it deserves. But and that is follow the money. Yeah. Their makers are selling more marriage Well, it's not only that. It, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot in that decision. It's not. It's not just money on that decision. This no, is, is to this is to this is to put Christian Christians under under the microscope. And I mean. The, the saddest thing about this is and we've got to be careful about this we need to stand up for God because we can't change the decision we can't change what they've done we can't even change what's going to come our way from this decision what we need to do is follow in grace just turn it over to God because Jesus had already, has already told us that they will hate you they hated me they're going to hate you now we have been very blessed in America to not be persecuted for three four hundred years that's changing that's changing and we need to be prepared we need to prepare our hearts for a world that is going to come against us just as it was during the first century when homosexuality and 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 persecution and all this stuff was prevalent we need to prepare our hearts for the persecution that is coming uh we can do what we want can we'll write our letters to our congressmen and all that stuff but but i don't believe that's going to do anything any good we need to as churches stand for god preach the gospel and be ready for whatever comes our way and i can tell you just as i said this morning the first step is going to be the churches that don't relent to them are going to lose their tax-exempt status and then they will charge us for our for our land and our buildings Money's and all uh, of that. The money. But then uh, I have to think too,
3: can then I can look at back in this time how they had so many bad things going on you could
0: make more money. David is running running for his life from Saul when he when he's been anointed king and could just say and David is strong enough and militarily smart enough that he could have just taken from the kingdom from Saul. I mean, he could have defeated Saul at any time, but he was not going to touch the one that God anointed and he was following God's way of doing things and that's all we can do is say it is what it is and we yeah. sit down and we put our trust in God and we and we do what we can we operate with the way that God tells us to and be ready for the bad things that will happen and lots of bad's going to happen i can guarantee that there's going to be churches all over this country that, gay, that the gay people are going to march into saying, I want to be married by you, and if you don't marry me, we're suing you. And it'll be a choice for them to sit, you know, to honor God or honor, honor honor this world's bad decision.
2: And our insurance companies just lost with the children. Uh, I guess tomorrow night they're going to have a film and a thing on, how, what is it called, about children and Sunday school teachers?
0: Of oh, child protection policy at the, protect- of the, of the other told,
2: church. Because it kind of seemed important to him. I told him I'd be there, Samuel. And mm-hmm. uh,
0: but we things. do we need to do we that's need to take because, a stance for God.
2: That's because of our insurance companies. If you don't have it, that's, they can muck on your rates. They can.
0: It's not so much the, it's, it's not the account. insurance companies that are pushing those. It's the lawyers telling advising you to do it because. Of same, protection,
2: same difference. Uh, I mean, well, I see the same
0: difference. <laughs> huge difference on who is telling you to do it, but yes, but it, it's it's a wise thing in that case, you know, to try to protect yourself. I think a lot of churches are going too far with that, with what they're restricting. But, but this idea is, we do what is wise, we do what is is godly, and then we just wait for the restrictions. And just as I said, you know, in the in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When they said we've got to obey God rather than man, they knew that even in so doing, because government was established by God, you violate the government's rules, you get punished by the government, even though it's a bad law, it's an unjust law, it's an ungodly law, we still will face the punishment for violating that law. And we need to be ready for that. We just need to be ready for that as individuals as a church and eventually the church will be driven back underground the one that, the, the church that wants to honor god and follow god's way we will eventually be driven underground to into homes and then we won't have to worry about any of the laws because we're already in the wrong. we're already violating the law for meeting uh, so it will happen and it's going to happen all we can do is be at peace with god and say god help us get through this. The only answer to this is going to be a great revival in America. It will start at the church level with the churches standing up. I'm standing for God and delivering the gospel. And as we give the gospel, things will change. Now, I don't believe that we will have a nationwide revival again. I believe it will be sporadic in various churches as they stand up for God. And the sad part is that the average American church probably has at least 50%, if not eighty to ninety percent of their church being unsaved. Okay. And I definitely believe 50%. That's what Barnum believes from his surveys, and I believe it's I believe he's way low. That's sad. It's very sad.
3: Gotcha. Now there
0: are some churches where the percentage will be you know a lot lower because the pastors have the pastors and the teachers all preach the gospel and people have heard the gospel. But I can guarantee you, even in our church there's a good number of people in this church that aren't saved just because it is the statistics. Because God said in the parable of the weed and the tear that God plants the seed in the church and the Satan comes along and he puts tares. And tares look just like wheat until they come to a, come to their fruit. And there are many people in a church that they will say all the right words, they will mm-hmm. they will quote the Bible. Uh, I've shared with you there was one lady that I'm absolutely sure was not saved by her testimony, but she was at church more than more than anybody else in the church, she was there every time the door was open. She quoted the Bible, but when I would talk to her, even before I heard her testimony, I doubted that she was saved just by the way she said things. Okay, and this is why we need to be able to examine ourselves because I can't tell anybody you're you're saved or you're not saved. I have trouble enough trying to say that I'm saved sometimes when I'm not doing the right things.
3: Death. Okay. Know, I, I I use to not anymore, but I
0: because I've been so blessed
3: now, lately. Well, because I know... I blessed, I
0: know, to be... Well, but that's a dangerous way to determine your salvation. The fact that you're no, blessed no, no. is not... No, I'm, yeah. I'm,
3: I'm, I am say things wrong. Just that I know... Be I say things wrong. I know because I'm focusing, I'm learning and studying His Word. Yeah. Before, I always believed in it but I never really read the Bible a lot. and I'm, There wasn't that me, hunger for spiritual things. I, i say things
2: weird okay i'm sorry that's just how i am I she's doing what we're doing
0: yeah she's falling in love with god and his and word
2: and what you're reading was words on the page that yeah. meant a lot to you but now it's like windows being opened and doors and you're understanding And
3: it. it's really weird i know you guys probably always do it but i don't know why a lot of times when i really pray i don't know why i'm crying tears are just coming down <laughs> And I said, I'm not. His, because I'm really like. Sometimes I could pray on and on and on and on and on. But then I gotta read because I want to pray for this person, this person, this person, this person, this. And yeah. But hit hit me before I did before, and I never really felt. But now I know it. I I know it's working.
0: And when I hear these testimonies of the falling in love with God's word and the falling in love with God. You know, see, I have no doubt that I'm saved because of everything that God has done in my life yeah. to change me. I know I don't deserve it, and you know, can I prove it to others? Not necessarily, but I know that I know that I'm saved because I love His Word. But I'm I, in love yeah, with God. Like and He's, he's changed thinking, like, me.
3: Why is He doing this to me? He's doing so much because it's taken me this long. I mean, I should have been like this 30 years ago, but no, I'm just saying.
0: But. Can't go I, back I say and change it. Like
2: my finger, I know that If you look, yeah. she's gonna shake her head. Yes, she feels exactly the same way. Why, Lord, did you wait so long? Why did I wait so long? And I feel that way. Why did I wait so long to give it? I oh, good. It. And I thought. <laughs> oh, no, you know? thank you, thank you. I just thought
3: maybe I. We're had.
0: just I'm lifting strong. God high, and people are responding, and and that's what Jesus said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And unfortunately the sad thing is there's churches all over this country and probably all over the world that don't lift Jesus high and people never get to fall in love with him because he's not lifted up. The the word might be lifted up, truth might be lifted up, doctrine might be lifted up, but Jesus needs to be lifted up.
3: And like I'm not afraid to speak about him
2: and yep. bring
3: people over here and at my shop to come come with me, you know, if you want to before I
2: would never do that. I'm you know, sorry, I'm <laughs> interrupting you. That's okay.
3: It's a beautiful testimony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this girl that
1: I that I've known all her life, who uh, in Chicago, oh. now she, I was talking to her. We still keep in contact because we're like adopted sisters, sort of. And uh, I said to her, you know, I'm trying to run down the lineage from Abraham to Christ, and I've run into a snag. She laughed. She said, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> said, Marsha. You should help me do that. You should have this already, you know. Because she went to Moody, she was, she's always in, oh. studying. And I said, You should have known this already. And they told me, what. <laughs> And I wouldn't have
2: to dig so far. And we're laughing. If we'll get together, I'll show it to you. Because God showed me to teach it one year in Sunday school. But 14, 14, 14.
0: But the love that we have for God is so important and we want to we want to look at that and david's here saying i trust in you yea in the shadow of your wings i will make my refuge right under god he wants to be so close to god that shadow yeah. of the wings idea and I've, I've shared with you the idea that in the prayer shaw it's called grabbing the wings and pulling them around it's part of that shadow of the wings picture yeah. the intimacy of the prayer shawl, the most intimate thing that a jewish father can do with his child. Is to bring them inside their prayer closet as he puts his arms around them and wraps his wings, wing, the wings around them, and brings them into a full intimacy of worship with God in their prayer closet. And that's when Jesus talked about a prayer closet, that's what he was talking about, wrapping, wrapping the shawl around you into a closet. He wasn't talking about going to someplace where you're close. Yeah. So, so David is saying, I want to be so intimate with you, God, I want to be right underneath. Right where you're at, I want you be embracing me until these calamities are overpassed, until they're gone, God. I want you to embrace me. I want you to be my shelter. I want you to be my stronghold. I want to be you. You be my strong tower. And if I'm wrapped up in you, God, nothing can touch me. And this is where we need to be. Is all the stuff's coming around in the, in our world right now. We need to be wrapped up in God's arms, knowing that nothing can happen to us except what He's going to allow. And he's going to give us the grace to go through whatever it is that we have to go through. And this is the key point. We talked a little bit about this the other day when we were talking about the martyrs. You know, did they feel it or did God give them gracious, gracious deliverance over what they were doing? We don't know the answer, but I believe that God gave them grace that they did not feel the, the pain of the, of the martyrdom because they stood up for God and God wrapped them around with his arms around them and said, I'm going to protect you now. Come on, come on here. But this is where we're at. We're in, a, we're in a world that's headed toward the end times. We're headed there fast. Yep. And we're gonna be judged, we're going to be persecuted. Even in this country where we're seeing everything change so quickly, we're being told you can believe what you want, but you can't take it outside of your own four walls or your own head, you can't talk to anybody about it, you can't do anything about it, and you can't take a stance even within your churches. Okay, and this is why we know this is coming. The, the justices have already said that it will. The dissenting one said, "You have just made a decision that's going to affect the churches, because there's no there's no blocking of there's no restrictive language in this. So we, we are church? it's coming it's coming back it's going back to the Supreme Court again. When 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 churches say we're not marrying these people, it's going back to the Supreme Court. This this was not their last word on the on the issue now they're gonna rule against us when we go there they're gonna rule against us because of who they are they're sinners they're not making decisions based on God They're making ungodly decisions which they will answer for when they stand before God in, in heaven for the decisions they've made and they will answer our president will answer for the direction he's taken this country our congressmen and senators will answer for the direction because God will hold them accountable it doesn't make things any easier for us in the in the meantime but we will get the rewards of being persecuted. As long as we just hold on to God and say, God, wrap me, in, uh, wrap me in your wings. I'm hiding in you. I'm hiding in you. You are my deliverer. You are my protection. And that may mean that we end up getting beat. We end up going to prison. We end up being deprived of things. Deprived of what we've been used to in America. But we've been, we have been so blessed in America to not have to be deprived as Christians. Most of the world, if you become a Christian, you are persecuted. If not, lose your life. Millions of Christians are losing their life every year around the world. There are more people being being martyred today than there have ever been martyred in the past. Mm -hmm. We just don't hear about it because we're not listening to the right sources. But if you get into Voice of the Martyrs, you get into some of these other people, you hear all about the people that are being, whole villages being wiped out overnight by by gunships strafing them because they're a Christian village in an Indonesian territory. All through Africa, all through mi- the Middle East, all through the Ur- European...
3: Asia. I get this thing on the Internet and it tells you all, I just can't believe...
0: So we have been so blessed in America. The Europeans have been fairly blessed, and they've lo- they're losing their freedoms quickly. We know where we're going to be by watching, watching Europe and watching Canada. Other, yeah. Okay, because they're, they're about t- 15 to 20 years ahead of us in all of this. And pastors in Canada go to jail with, by preaching, for preaching homosexuality is a sin. They go to jail. Our laws are built on the same laws. It's
2: going to come down to us being persecuted. You. Mm-hmm. You. Mm-hmm. And the deacons being persecuted. Well, anybody. Persecuted anybody in the church. Preaching on sin.
0: But it'll start, it'll start with the pastors. And then, and this is what we need to be prepared for. The day that I get arrested, that next week, we need somebody to step up and say, we're going to continue preaching what's yep. been preached.
1: Oh, no. no not necessarily. Channel, on Channel 200, I think it was last night, they were talking about the gaze, you know, what they, and you know what they said? This is just the beginning of what we are going
0: for. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this whole decision is, is out to out to try to sink the church. Yep. The church has not been sunk for, for 2,000 years, and this is not going to sink the church. It may make more things more difficult, but every time it, it gets can't. difficult for the church, God steps forward, He anoints and people grow. The places where martyrdom is happening the most, they're growing left and right. They they kill the people and two more replace them.
2: Right. Because God said always I will have a remedy. So uh, Yeah. A lot of people have died. And you know I don't know how I feel about this today. I was horrified by it for years. They get them in the church and then lock the church up where they can't get out and burn the church down. Well, they will have a hard time doing that for this one. But the point of it is, you are going home to meet your Savior with your brothers, your sisters, and people that you know love you, your family. In Christ, you are family. The longest it can last is a few minutes. The smoke overcomes you. You go to sleep, and you're in Jesus' arms whoa that's really bad <laughs> well did you change the subject real rookie i watched this, this show last night it was
3: about in the instant and it was this um these people were kidnapped and the guy was going to kill him he says i don't he says he said i'm not afraid because go ahead and kill me i'll be up in heaven quicker than and they said that on tv which is cool thank mm-hmm. you mm-hmm.
0: but this is where we're at right now and it's it's a hard time for us to be alive it's a we're you know, we're in an exciting time to be alive because it is the in we're facing the end times. Any day now the rapture could occur. There is nothing that has to occur for the rapture to, to happen.
2: What about the temple?
0: Not for the rapture.
2: The temple will be built during the seven years, not during the can be
0: built before before or after. It doesn't matter, it's not part of there is nothing that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to occur. Mm-hmm. It could happen any moment.
2: Yeah, they had it set down in ironing, seeing it how it's going to be when Jesus comes, and he didn't do exactly
1: what they
0: thought. Yeah, and it's not going to be the, and it's not going to be what everybody thinks it's going to be. And this one of the reasons I have trouble teaching Revelation, Daniel, like eschatology, is because I've been studying it for forty years, and it changes. It's like dealing with quicksand. It changes every time you turn around. Somebody's got some new view that sounds really good. We will teach what, when, when we do the book of Revelation, which is coming up in about five, five to six weeks on Tuesday morning, on Tuesday at one. Uh, we will teach what it says. We will teach some of the different views on it and everything, but we're going to teach what it says and we're going to lift up God's word because that's all we can do because God is going to make it happen and, we're not, and I'm not wanting to see anybody get scared. I don't want anybody scared of the tribulation period and the rapture. Because for us who are saved, it's scared. a wonderful time because we go home. Yeah, could be here. We go home and participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. While the world goes under judgment to, draw, to drive people. And re, Always remember this. The purpose of the seven years of tribulation is to drive people to God. It is not punishment. It is not being cruel. It is to get them to see God's hand at work and draw them to him. In the process, probably two about two-thirds of the people will die in the process. But it's all God saying, I want you to come to me. I love you enough. Come to me. And thank God we won't be here if you're saved. If you're not saved and everybody disappears, go hide in the mountains someplace because you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh,
2: First thing you do is start trying to figure out how to prove to the Lord you loved Him. You misunderstood, and you ain't taking that
0: sign. <laughs> the mark, yeah. Verse 2 I will cry unto the Lord Most High, unto God that performs all things for me. So the more that we have troubles, the more we have trials, we need to cry to God. We need to cry because it is God that performs, it's His hand that will keep us. And one of the things about a great Revival that can happen because churches are praying for it. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray that our church gets so on fire that we can we convert chloride. Because what ends up happening on the, on the, on each great revival in history, sin has stopped. Sinful places have shut down. Bars shut down. Brothels shut down. You know, and they're not shutting down because the government says. <laughs> It's against the rules. You can't go there. It's shutting down because so many people are turning to God that they're not going to these places. Mm -hmm. That is true revival, and that's what we want to pray for. We want to pray for revival to hit this, hit our little town to start with and hit all of the Golden Valley and Mojave County, and who knows where it could go. I don't really expect one because when there's a great revival, there's also a period of time where you're in God's blessing, and I think we're too close to the end. For that to happen I'd love to be wrong in that one believe me that would be one place I would love to be wrong I would love to see a great revival sweep and have 30 or 40 years of of peace and putting off this I don't think it's gonna happen but individual towns counties may be able to have a great revival that starts within the churches and it has to start within our people we have to get the people to to stop being Christians in church and take it outside the walls and share the gospel Annie.
2: Hey, I'm pretty sure this was a true story about a bar that was built not too far from a church on a kind of main drag in the country. And the church went to fighting and praying for that bar not to come in. And the uh, bar went in anyway. But you know what, they went right back out of business and sued the church because the church had been praying that it was their fault that they went out of business. And then when it went to court, the judge said, the, the sum of this is you Christian people are saying, it's not our fault because they're suing you. They're saying it is. The bar people have more faith and trust in God than you do.
0: I don't think it's a true story, but it's an old, it's an old, old joke. joke or point that's being made. And,
2: and he's made.
0: And it is true a lot of times that the church does not believe God's going to answer their prayers. And we need to be careful of that. The second great awakening in America is credited. at starting in Stockton, Massachusetts, when a group of people prayed. And I can't remember the pastors, one of the big name pastors, I want to say Jonathan Edwards, but I don't think it was him. But one of the big name pastors during that age was pastoring that church and they were praying for revival and revival swept new England and, and the East coast. And it was a great great revival that really changed this country during that period of time in the, late, the early 1800s. And it was a big revival. And God can move. And God can do great things if we get down on our knees and pray. And, and the verse, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and, and repent and call upon the Lord, He will deliver. It starts with his people. We need to change. We need to be so godly that people look at us and say, "You know, what's wrong with you what's wrong with you Christians?" You know, I I need what you have. We should be so full of joy, so full of love that people look at us and say, "You've got something I need." And that's where that's where we are as Christians. They're not looking at us being perfect. (laughs) They're not looking at us being good, but they're looking at that love and that joy, and they want it.
3: See, that's why I think it's so cool because I sorry I'm late a lot, but every time, I usually have a silly customer, and I even told them, I, I go in my house and people, oh, shit, i blah blah. I said, I have to get going, I'm sorry, you guys have to go. And I tell him I have to go to Bible school. I mean, I would run all the way from my house here every time, that's why I would admit, but I I will not, I try to not miss this, that one day mm-hmm. I think, but other than, I mean, before I never had that in me, but that now I have desire.
2: to.
0: And that's what I say when it goes, we need to have that desire to be with God's people. Not because God's going to like us more when we go to his church. Not because I'm good by going to church, but because we get that heart of, I want to hear God's word. I want to share with God's people. I want to be with that loving place and being built up and edified. And this is my desire to see people just want to love God so much that they just got to be here. I came from a church back east that, you know, standing room only Sunday morning. Well, Sunday morning was actually the day you could get a seat because people were busy doing other things. Sunday night, Wednesday night, standing room only in a church that's had 1,500 people. Wow. Okay. They wanted to hear the word of God. Then you had Bible studies going on on the property of the church seven days a week. Plus, all the churches that were all over the town where people were having uh, the, the Bible studies all over town where people were filling their living rooms with people. The love, the love of God's Word, the love of being together with God's people. Thank you. We need to get to that point where we are saying, I need God's presence, I need His Word. And when I fall in love with his presence, I fall in love with his word, I want to be with his people. I want to get together. When I get together with his people, I want to share what God has been telling me about. And this will be the ultimate place where we get, where we get together and we go, this is what God's shown me this week. This is what I learned this week. And we need to get to that place where we're so excited. We just can't wait to tell others what it is that God is teaching us. Because I'm not the only one that can tell you what God is teaching. And sometimes you all are gonna have better experiences from his word than I can have.
3: But even like what I was saying when I saw them, the customer was building, I said, you better get going, you don't have to for like your Bible study. But I was just so had like, I didn't know. And I said, I gotta get going, you to, you can load it up, because they bought something in mine. You can load it up, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> and I thought, that's why, so I mean, I ran all the way down and said, God, don't let me fall, don't let me <laughs> I mean, I run and I don't watch how.
0: Verse 3, He, God, shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. God will deliver us. Now, he may not deliver us the way we want to be delivered. When the, when the disciples were, were beaten up and thrown into prison, that is probably not the way they wanted to be delivered. But you know, that's what God had. The Philippian jailer got saved because of the—they were praising God in the jail, and when God sent the earthquake, he was ready to kill himself. And they go, "No, we're all here. We haven't left." And he goes, "There's something different about these crazy people that aren't leaving the jail when the when the earthquake opened the doors." Now, tell me about this God. <laughs> you know, that's not quite how it says in the scripture. That really was what he was thinking. Yeah, it was. That really was what he was thinking. These guys are nuts. There's a, the jail. The doors are open. Comes this earthquake, and they're still here. I need to know more about this God that they, that they were worshiping in their pain. Mm-hmm. Are we living that lifestyle that will say, people look at us and say, I need what you have. My, I want what you have.
1: I'm getting through to my sister a little bit when she starts Look at that. I don't know why they, I said, really? Is that any of our business? I said, you know, we've got to take care of our own mistakes.
0: And she'll say, yeah, I guess
1: that's right. And now she's getting better. Good. That's
2: very good. My sister Joan, but she still criticizes me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish mean, she wouldn't be your sister. If she didn't.
0: <laughs> so it says, God will say from reproach, He will send mercy and truth. That's what God sends to us. He sends us mercy. we not giving us what we deserve. And He sends us truth. And this is what I've talked about. The disciples had an attitude When things went bad against them, thank you, God, that I'm found worthy of suffering for Christ. We're coming into a day and a time when we need to have that attitude. God, thank you that I am worthy of suffering for Christ. Because we're going to start suffering and we need to be prepared. Our mind needs to be set for heaven. Anything that we suffer is putting rewards in heaven because God's given us the grace to go through it. You'll give us the ability to go through it, and we'll have treasure in heaven for that. Even if it means that we die. If we die, we get the martyr's crowned, and we will be blessed blessed even more. But we need to have a mindset change that God is still there. He is going to deliver us. And if we suffer, then, we're, we're just like Job. We're just like the Apostles. We're just like Jesus. We get to suffer for God's sake and God's got a reward for it. Now, that makes it sound a little crazy. and We are crazy. I mean, they've talked a lot about this. We, as Christians, are somewhat crazy. We're a peculiar people, a strange people, a different people. Why? Because this is not our home. I'm not looking at something to make me feel good here and then we talked about in the in the in the thing in the bulletin Abraham wandered the promised land for more than 50 years almost 75 years and never received the promise that God gave him well he had one piece of property that was his that he bought for the for the for the for the tomb it wasn't until nine generations later that the Israelites came back to the land and got the promise that Abraham was promised. We need a vision that is generational, not just me, right. because the Bible is full of these ideas of I'm building for the next generation. David wanted to build the temple, and God said no. So he put all the plans together and gave them to Solomon to build the temple. He said, Okay, if I can't do it, I want my son to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The Pilgrims came to this land to build a righteous land that they could have freedom of worship, and they were willing to give up everything, their very lives, so that their children could have a better land. And they wrote all over it that this is, we're we're stepping stones for our children to have a better place. We need to have that mentality of we may not be building for us, but we're hopefully building for, for our children. we their children. we their children's children. Abraham, nine generations out before they got the promise.
1: I read that. He had nine, great, 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 nine of them, or eight of them, eight of them, and then grandchildren.
0: Yeah. You know, nine generations that he put in there before he saw the fulfillment of what he was promised. But his mind was on, what has God got for me? My mind has always got to be on what is God building, and God has a long, long vision because He sees it from the beginning to the end. And we have this short vision. God, I want it, and I want it yesterday. <laughs> not even now. God, I wanted it yesterday. How come it's not in my possession? And God's saying, "Well, maybe it's for your great, great, great grandchild. You know that that I'm going to answer this prayer for." And we need to be so careful. Where is our focus? Is our focus on God and, and on what He wants? Or is this focus on what I demand? And As soon as you put that word I in there, anytime you put an I in there, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it for what I want, or, you know, you're in trouble when you start going that direction. Because that brings the flesh into it. And very rarely does the I include God. And we want to be careful with this. We want to be careful when we look at our children and say, God, they're not where I want them to be. We need to love them for who they are and where they're at and let God work in their lives. When we look at our grandchildren, it's the same way. Am I looking at who I want to be my child and who I want them to be? Or am I looking at saying, God, I love the one you've given me and I'm going to love them so much that they're going to desire you. And that can't be our motive, but that should be. That is why we love them. We love who we have Mm -hmm. and say, okay, God, I'm just going to love them and let you change them because I'm gonna love what you've given me. Instead of, okay, God, I got this picture of the perfect perfect preacher or, or missionary in my mind, and that's who they've gotta be. And God's saying, nope, that's not who I've got them being. You just love the, love the individual you have. I wish my kids had gone into ministry. I really do wish they'd gone on to college and gone into ministry and missionaries. None of them have decided to do that.
3: <laughs> but it's okay, like you guys say, because I don't have any kids, and so I don't have any on and that's
0: why the I listen to everybody. there's a reason for that. Yeah. But God sends his mercy and his truth. His truth. God tells us that when we get saved that he's going to bring the gospel message to our family. And the majority of them will probably get saved. He says, you and your household shall be saved. Now that doesn't mean every single person in our families are gonna get saved because they still have a choice. But you know what, by you being saved and you praying for them and you showing an example of who God is, there's a greater chance of them getting saved than if they were just wandering around with no example. And we see generation after generation of some families that are saved and working for God and living for God. Then we see generations of people that are living for, 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 for their sin and themselves. And even there, you can have a break when somebody in their family gets saved and all of a sudden there's this little light in their, in their life. And happened in my family, the little light. I got saved. I was 10 years old and I got saved. And nobody else in my family was saved. The nearest person that was saved in my family was my great-grandmother. <laughs> and my grandmother on the, my mom's side. Those were the only two people that I know were saved in my family before, before salvation started sweeping through. Now, my great grandmother was praying. My great grandmother had been praying for my dad for 30 some years. When he finally got saved and she got him into her church, she goes, This is my grandson who we've been praying for for 30 years.
2: Just <laughs> one
1: lady prayed for
2: my dad, 60. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And when you, is it time to give
0: up? Never. Uh-huh. Until they die, anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you can let go
0: then. Uh, but we need to have that desire. We pray and we pray. Does that mean that we, we want to hammer our family because they're not saved? No, we just pray for them and we love who we've got. And this is where it's important. We love who they are without being critical of who they are. We give them the gospel at least once or twice, let them know that there's a gospel out there, and we love them for who they are, where they're at. You know, Whether they're into drugs or, or workaholism or whatever it might be, we love who they are and we pray for them. And we just love them. We're not sitting there trying to criticize what they are and what they're doing because when we start criticizing them, they shut us off. Yeah. They will shut us off every time if we try to criticize them. But if we just show them love, then God will make the change.
3: I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm glad that I got a chance to change jobs and positions where I'm at. I said... I could witness and be a testimony to a, new group a whole new group of kids. <laughs> a couple years ago, my kids that I had called me Grandma, and they all graduated. <laughs> they see
1: me in the, in the stores, they go, Grandma, Grandma. <laughs> they call me Grandma. They are, oh, no. They're married, you got kids, and they still call me <laughs> I don't think some of them
0: even know I'm not the (laughs) rabbi. Maybe not. But in verse 3, he says, God shall send forth his mercy. Mm. I am so thankful for God's mercy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Even with the lost, he doesn't give them what they deserve while they're on this earth. He gives them the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, the good, the bad, the sunlight. All good and bad fall on, quote-unquote, good people and bad people, the, the saved and the lost. And God says, His mercy and His truth shall come on them. His truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He is the truth. So He will come upon those that we pray for. He will talk to them. He will communicate to them. The amazing thing is if you start looking into all all, this, all the people that are getting saved in the Muslim world, but there's oftentimes no preacher, no teacher of the Bible, but if they are truly seeking after God as best they can within their Muslim faith, Jesus appears to them in a dream and says, I'm the one you're looking for, come to me. And they'll get. And many times they'll get saved, and their testimony is Jesus came to them in a dream. Jesus is not going to leave those who are truly seeking after God in their false religions. If you're in a false religion, truly seeking God in that... Religion, he's going to make sure that you hear about him. Whatever religion it is, he's going to make sure you know about him if you're truly seeking him.
2: Wouldn't you love to read a book on? I, I don't think you could down in a pamphlet, but a book on their testimonies to how they all got saved, different ones. I think that is so cool. That is
0: so. so beautiful. I love testimonies. I love to hear testimonies. I heard one pastor one time, and he said he could. He pictures the idea in heaven of you know how we have trading cards for baseball players and stuff, he, he was going I can picture this trading card business going on of testimonies, going around everybody getting their testimony of what God did to bring them
3: to Mine God. Yeah. You
0: know, but can you imagine that? Because every one of us has a testimony of how God brought us to him. Every one of us. And I love to hear people share how did you come to Christ? What what was it? Even if it's something as simple as mine, where I just kept going to church until I finally heard the gospel message at, at age 10. But I was going to churches before that, even though nobody in my family did. I would go to the nearest church, or whoever would take me to church, or... you know, I have no idea what churches I went to, and, it, you know, and at 6, 7, 8, 9 years old, it really didn't matter to me. I wanted God and he finally got me into a church that preached the gospel and I was at the right time and right place to hear the gospel message and respond <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. you did, you, you don't, daddy will never know how many times he got moved and moved around, shoved around, no I want him in that church and I've got to get his dad from here to there.
0: That's a possibility, the guy was probably behind some of those transfers. I see
2: like
3: I'm kind of like, there I go backwards again, sure, I was saved a long time ago, but now I'm growing like a new Christian, yeah. like being saved, like you're saying. Because I really, to be honest, don't really be. I can't say exactly how I felt, but I feel how I, I feel now. How I feel.
0: hmm um, And I was very fortunate. I got right into studying God's Word right from the very beginning. I was listening to the Christian Christian children's radio shows on Saturday morning, and and one of them said, you know, if you would like to do a correspondence course, send your send your request in, so I mailed it in, and I was doing correspondence courses at 11 years old uh, to go through the Bible, and by the time I was 15, I ran out of their courses, and they recommended me to Moody Bible Institute, so at 15, I'm taking college-level courses, and the professors there didn't know how young this person was writing these answers to these books, but God put me in love with his word from the earliest age to get into his word, and put me in places where I got to teach at age 14 I started teaching Sunday school and you know had, and was able to substitute for my dad on several occasions in the home bible study that we did you know so god orchestrated everything once you get saved your testimony doesn't end once you get saved
3: no mm-hmm. it just
0: it, it just begins well his
3: cuz like i listened to the radio and it has, it's called the children's treehouse or something Mm-hmm. I love listening to that, mm-hmm. and, I, and those kids are so smart. They really know it. And I, I, I listen on the radio when I go to King Miller. I love that. That is just so
2: cool. Yeah. Sharon, can I share something with you? On Saturday morning, Saturday night, I don't know when on the other radio station, I can't remember, there are children's stories.
3: Oh you know, I listen to those too, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, does <laughs> he, I and, like he me. and I and I and and they're smarter than good. me. I mean of course, mm-hmm. anybody's smarter than me, but I yeah. the mean no, they're 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 really.
0: These kids okay. who are being raised up in good, solid Christian mm-hmm. homes yeah. have such a great head start.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. My kids are so funny now that they're getting out on their own and getting mm-hmm. to their own churches. They're going, I didn't realize how much we knew by just like <laughs> talking and living out and they're going I never knew that I knew so much until I got out in these churches and I have the answers and people are listening to me.
3: That's good. You know, they did listen.
0: Because they were, we lived Christ, the Christian life. We talked about the Bible. We, we spoke about the Bible. We taught, taught about the Bible. And the funny thing was it was so normal to them that they didn't realize that they were really abnormal compared to most Christians
2: like until
0: they get out into the world. <laughs> And find out how abnormal our normal was.
2: Like our three boys we have here. Yeah. I would anything that you all could have met those three boys.
0: They did the five-day club.
2: And to them, it was
0: a normal, normal a life.
2: Normal way of life. This is the way we live. We would be living like this at home if we weren't here. I wanted to adopt them, but I just <laughs> said no. <laughs> they, well, their mother would, would say no. no sure didn't. But she not always come back go to visit mom. and I mean, I'm not going to stop you. But, <laughs> we, could, we could share. But we
0: need to live that life, and we need to be able to express it to those around us in such a way that they see a difference. And then when they get out in the world, they're going, oh, there really is a difference. And the greatest part of discipleship is that we live... Jesus and his word in front of our our grandchildren our nieces our nephews Mm -hmm. our uncles, so that they see that there's something different they see that there's a different way of dealing with it than what the world tells them tells them and I've shared with you all the time I took the youth and got pulled over by the police and I hated it it was embarrassing in the church van to be pulled over The, the police was very nice to me only gave me a warning but for those teens sitting in that van, they watched the way I interacted with the the authority, and they watched the way that it was not confrontational. I wasn't cursing and and, and bad-mouthing the police officer while he was writing the ticket, and they're all, and four or five of them were all going, you're different than my dad. My dad would be, you know, Mm -hmm. but that opened a door later on for a greater conversation about God because they said, this is somebody who's different. There's a different about this person. We need to have that, ex- that experience. And when people look at it they go, there's something different about them. I want what's different about them. When I worked in the restaurants, I can't tell you how many people would come up to me and just say, why are you always so peaceful? You've got a smile on your face. It, it's been stressful. It's been, it been, been a headache, and you still have a smile on your face great opportunity to open up and talk about God because my attitude was different from so many other people that they would look at and one place where we had two restaurants in the same same facility the the their waitress in the other building goes, why do you always smile all the time you know, no matter what goes on your smile I'm going I got Jesus Christ in my heart and he gives it. and her answer was and this was the sad thing is well I won't use his name my boss <laughs> says he's a Christian he doesn't have that he gets mean and nasty and irritated all the time I'm going. I can't talk about what his relationship with God is but my relationship with God is so close that he gives me a piece. Yeah. and I and I don't and I talked to her boss and he he did claim to be a Christian he sounded like he was a Christian but he his Christianity didn't carry on into everything he did and it noticed and it put a huge huge difference in there and it was a bad testimony for Christ when, when you thought about it. Because my answer was, Christ has given me the peace. And they're looking at him and he goes, he claims to be a Christian. And that's why we have to be careful how we represent Christ. Because we could be the one that somebody looks at and says, well, <laughs> they, they got things got hard for them. They didn't show Christ. And this is why it's important for us to be totally crucified in our flesh and living with Christ. And that, like I said, the, to me, I've known Galatians 2.20 since I was a teenager. It was one of the first verses I ever memorized outside of John 3.16. Now, it was one of the very early verses I memorized, but it's only become real to me in probably the last decade of how vitally important it me is to be crucified with Christ and to let him live through me. Now, I've done a lot of letting him crucify me and living through me, but I've just really started understanding the power of that verse in about the last decade, and I memorized it three or four decades ago. So we want to keep this in mind and, and say, God, you, we want your deliverance. We want you to stand for us. We want you to help us through everything. Galatians two twenty. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live according to the power of the faith of Jesus. Powerful verse, because my flesh is being crucified daily. Well, I <laughs> I quoted enough everybody's yeah. probably got it marked yeah. in their Bibles verse again. Galatians Adam. 2.20 yeah. two 2.20 20. Oh, two 20, yeah. very powerful dip verse on how we are to live and how we have the power to live <laughs> alright let's close in prayer we didn't get very far in Psalm 57 but I think it was a good lesson Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity we have. We ask you, Lord, to crucify our flesh. Help us to live. Be a great example and a witness to people. Lord, help us to reach our families. Lord, teach us to love those that we look at and say they're not following you right. Help us to learn to just love them. Show them your love and be able to win them to the kingdom through that love. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.